This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 42 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Casual Products. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project, New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. On today's show, we talk with Kim Ware from the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation to get a recap of their first ever virtual TRF Blackburn Horse Show and how their program not only offers sanctuary for retired racers, but also offers a second chance for inmates. What pairs perfect with a thoroughbred? Well, bourbon, of course. We chat with Alice Peterson from Pinhook Bourbons and how racehorses have inspired their spirits. Leandra joins us with another hot training tip and brings us our adoptable horse of the week. So stay tuned. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Hills from Kalamazoo, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. I'm so excited, Joy. You have found a guest that puts the two best things on the planet together, bourbon or at least alcohol, bourbon and horses. I mean, come on, like what's better than that? I know. I'm so excited for it. I mean, who knew that early Christmas shopping would get us the perfect guest for today. (laughs) So definitely (laughs) a great thing to have. And then I'm also excited that we're going to be talking with the the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. I mean, they were doing some cool stuff this week. It's just going to be a good show. I'm so excited for it. But before we get to all of our guests, how's your life? I feel like it's been forever since we've talked. I know my life has been a little bit crazy. I had some health problems with a family member and then had just everybody kind of just the my dad was visiting and had some health problems. So everybody came to visit like me while he was here because he was in the hospital. And so like everybody's here and it was my birthday and like that was awkward. And like all I've been trying to do is just go outside and ride. And our weather has been perfect and amazing. And it's like almost 80 degrees today. And apparently in like five days, we're going to have snow. So it's like, welcome to the Midwest girl. It's colic season. Colic (laughs) season. I know I better go out and start prepping. I got to get the blankets down. I'm not Mm -hmm. prepped for this joy. I'm not ready. (laughs) I know you got, you know, you'll get adjusted. I mean, you're still kind of new to Oklahoma, but once you start getting that Midwest vibe going, you get your blankets clean in the early spring, they're set to go in your little box or just, you'll get the groove. You'll, you'll get there. (laughs) <laughs> they're all prepped and ready. They're just t- and like in the hayloft. They just have to like get a ladder and climb up there and then above the tagra. It's a big mess. There's probably spiders everywhere. There's dust everywhere. I'm just it's I'm best not to not overthink it. And you're just like, okay, just gotta make sure no one gets rain rot, no one gets cold, and you're you're gonna be fine. <laughs> you just gotta go in with that like warlike mentality of I just gotta get it done. You know, but- I. I, I, you're right. I just, I need to do it. But then here's the, here's the dilemma that I have is that I love this one particular type of blanket. And so I bought every horse, this blanket. And so now I have of the eight horses, I have eight Ooh. of these blankets and Did they're, you label them, Jamie. They're exactly the same color. 
Boy, and they're all different sizes. You didn't write their name on the tag. I, I wrote their name on the inside, but that's hard to see. And it's but then you like years. sold a bunch of horses since last winter. I know. So oh, now girl. I gotta figure out whose <laughs> rocket fits and whose Groot's gonna fit and all this. Stuff. Yeah, it's it's a total mess. So I've got a lot of work to do trying to prep for the upcoming season. You just what gotta do you do? be like me. I mean, I have all my horses color coordinated. Each has a designated color, so I don't get confused because I don't have time for that. It's already bad enough trying to find a black horse at night. She has to be sheeted <laughs> and you're just trying to find what's going on. But then you have a gelding who kind of has a crush on you. So he's following you around and breathing heavy on your neck. And you're just like, yeah. oh, oh, he's weird. He's a weird dude. <laughs> and then my so, other horses, oh, it's just, it's a lot of running around because, you know, up in Michigan, it gets dark by the time you wake up and stays dark. <laughs> All day, huh? So it's great we have a bourbon person on because seasonal depression is upon us. But before we get to that, it's going to be a really good show today. Before, we just want to hear our sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Feeding your horse starch-laden grains can lead to colic, laminitis, and metabolic disease. Today, nutritionists are recommending the use of high-quality fat to provide healthy calories. Fat is an extraordinary energy source. It's readily utilized by the horse and contains more than two times the calories of starchy grains. Replacing grain with a high-quality fat supplement reduces a horse's risk of developing health problems. Equijoule Stabilized Rice Bran is an excellent fat supplement. It contains a balanced calcium to phosphorus ratio and won't cause mineral imbalances when added to the diet. Its all-natural ingredients are high in healthy fat and fiber. And best of all, horses fueled by Equijoule stay calmer and more focused on the job at hand. When you need to add healthy calories to your horse's diet, choose Equijoule. To learn more, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Well, we have Kim Ware coming on. She's the director of Major Gibson Plan Giving from the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. And we've had her on before, so you'll probably recognize the name, but they just completed their first ever virtual TRF Blackburn 2020 horse show. And she's coming on to chat with us about that today. Welcome to the show, Kim. It is such a pleasure to be here, Joy. Thanks so much. Of course, of course. So you've done this Blackburn horse show before. Tell our listeners a little bit about what that has been traditionally. Well, sure. So it did. It's this is actually something that we started last year at the horse show using the the play on the word horse show. Now, this audience uh, knows horse shows very well. Mm -hmm. I always for those on inexperienced and even probably more importantly those who do know horse shows. I have to say this is a horse show unlike any other. When you're holding a horse show in a prison, it's just going to be different. Last year we did this to celebrate the 20th anniversary of our TRF Second Chances program at Blackburn. And it was a wonderful opportunity to bring the public in to the gates at Blackburn and to see the men and the horses together and to watch them performing a horse handling exhibition, quizzing them on their anatomy knowledge, their equine knowledge, and, and doing it all live like mm -hmm. a horse show. And this is what we did last year. It was November 6th last year. It was really fun. It was a beautiful day. It was a huge undertaking and it takes extraordinary partnership with our our colleagues and our partners at Blackburn Correctional Complex to do it. It was amazing that they it was able to happen. But it was great and we loved it and it was the kind of thing that we thought we would then do every year forever because it was so successful. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of work, but it was well worth it in terms of outcomes, which we can chat about in a minute or two. But then, as we all know, everything we thought we were going to do in 2020 didn't quite turn out the way we thought it would. And it yeah. was probably about May that we realized this 
this year was not going to be like last year. And so that's when the beginning of what we ended up doing began. So, and what, what was, I mean, obviously with everything going on, it's been so unpredictable. Everything has kind of gone this virtual route. How have you had to plan for a virtual show in this case? How does that work with your second chance program? And how does it work with the correctional facility? Was this something that was easy to do? Like everyone got together real quick or did it take a lot of brainstorming? Well, it was, it was a bit of, it was a it was a bit of an alchemy of of, of things that came mm-hmm. together. I mean, the the fact is we 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 have had a tremendous uh, sort of jumping back to the, how you plan things like that, which is you know, the focus of your question. This is definitely, I'll say, the first truly virtual event I have planned. You know, this is the year that everybody has done a virtual event, but but we at the TRF have done a number of events all summer, but we've managed to kind of skirt virtual. <laughs> we've mm-hmm. been able to add, we've been able to include some element of actual until now. So. Um, I'm actually realizing that today being the day after the show, I've now officially, you know, checked the box. I have my own virtual event badge <laughs> that I have, I, have, I have earned. But how we got there, it, it was that it's kind of a mix of factors. And the main thing is that we were so, so committed to doing it again this year. And, and this is where I will come back maybe to a moment of, of why, why we were so committed. And it, this, this event last year, this event this year, neither were intended as the traditional fundraiser Goal. I mean, there's always, we all know when we're in the world of nonprofits and charities, and especially thoroughbred um, charities, we are always looking to raise money. These horses do nothing but eat money for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But there are events we do that are not for fundraising, but they are for education and awareness raising. And that's what the Blackburn Horse Show was last year. And that's why we were so committed to doing it this year, because things happened after last year's horse show that were, were basically game changers, for, for lack of a better word. The, the crux of it being we, by opening the gates of Blackburn and bringing the public in, we brought employers in for the mm. first time in a significant way. Now, not to say that employers hadn't been in and farm managers hadn't been into Blackburn over 20 years. Lots of people had been to see the program. But to bring them in for a show, for a performance, for a demonstration, was in the whole tone and having all of the you know, VIPs in the mayor's office and all of the fanfare. I'm not saying that that changed anything, but it did elevate the the experience. And and what came out of that was employers saying, "Wow, these men know things. These men these men are learning skills they could use on my farm today." And and it 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 was a whole combination of things, which is again maybe conversation for another day. But the fact is, it actually not only like turned the light bulb on. But then as we got into the spring, even though it was the spring that we were all getting shut in our houses, at the same time that the world was shutting down, we had men getting ready to leave Blackburn and we had employers waiting for them. We ended up organizing Zoom calls with several of the men with their ultimate employers, a farm called Spy Coast mm-hmm. in Lexington. And these things were arranged. It had never been done before. None of this had happened, arranging an interview mm-hmm. by Zoom for an inmate with an employer. But it all was happening in, say, May, April time frame. And, and ultimately these guys were both offered jobs. The two that interviewed were both offered jobs um, before they'd even been released. One of them didn't actually make parole, um, but he's still there and we expect that he will one day get out and he has that job offer. The second was released and he walked out the door carrying his uniform for the job he started the next day at Spy Coast. He was featured in the horse show last night, if you, if you watched Joy. So mm-hmm. these things were happening in the same time frame that we were holding our breath thinking we've got to do the horse show again this year. We've got to do the horse show again this year. So realizing by the time that Mr. Tucker actually walked out, it was actually July 
6th that he was released and he started at Dreyfus, uh, at Dreyfus on July 7th. By then, it was just clear that no one really, frankly, in their right mind was going to even want to go to a horse show at a prison, even if mm-hmm. we could. And at this point, the prisons had been all in lockdown and not being able to have any anybody in them. I mean, we knew the world we were living in at that point. So mm-hmm. I would actually say that in to your question about the planning, it wasn't, we didn't really start planning it in some ways, this is going to sound kind of crazy, until Mr. Tucker started at Spicos, because at that point, it was just like, we have to do something. It doesn't really yeah. matter that we're going to overcome a lot of obstacles, that we're going to need to reinvent everything we did last year, because this story is too good to not tell. The, the key ingredient here, like we all know when we do events, because no one does anything alone in this world, is that you always are working in partnership. And we just could not have a better, more supportive, more engaged partner than we do with the Blackburn Correctional Complex, and that's starting from the warden, but all the way up through Kentucky Corrections. Mm-hmm. They are, they're proud of their program, which is great, but they're also, you know, it's one thing to be proud of it. It's another thing to have to deal with things we had to ask them, which is, at the end of the day, it's the approval to film the men. I mean, that is a, it's a simple deal, and it's the, the, the go, no go of whether you could do the horse yeah. show that we performed, we presented last night. If you can't film the guys, then you've got nothing. And that's not easy to accomplish, but there's a there's a will there, and the will was there because of the success story that we had had. So, I guess I you know there's a bit of a long ramble to answer to you as I tend to do. The interesting we were more driven by the fact that we needed to do it, and then we sort of figured the rest out. That that was mm-hmm. actually not the hard part. It was the hard part was getting was really waiting to see if the prison system would allow us to film, and we got that go ahead probably in the middle of August. So oh, wow, so very busy. quick turnaround yeah. for planning. Yeah. 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 So I think that the interesting thing for your audience is that like we, you know, and I don't know that this is always true. I don't know that there's really anything like planning a horseshoe in a prison. <laughs> I'm not sure this will transfer to anything in my life either. But once we had the approval, there were parts of it, I would say it's actually weirdly easier because you, once you start, you can get it done. We were done with filming. Uh, our goal was to be done by the end of September. And we were. And then you we sort of had three weeks to do the editing of the of the show piece itself. One more thing I'd say, and I know it was way too long an answer for you, but the, the key is that once you decide you're going to go virtual, and I'm sure lots of your audience have actually already been through this, and I'm going to sound like the novice here that I am, but the beauty of virtual is you actually get to have everybody you ever possibly wanted in the show, in the show, yeah. <laughs> which which never happens when you're trying to get somebody to a certain place at a certain time on a certain date when everyone's so busy and they've got 10 other conflicts, but this was sort of the, the ask no one could say no to <laughs> because, mm-hmm. you know, if we wanted them to speak, we just needed to track them down and film them. So that part was kind of liberating in a, in a, in a pretty wonderful way. So anyway, it's been an adventure and it was just yesterday. So you're kind of getting me in the uh, decompression phase. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it was such a fun thing for me to watch. I, I tuned in yesterday for, and this was held on on the 20th of October. So a couple days actually from when this will be released, but it was such a neat thing. And what, if anyone doesn't know what the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation does, they offer a sanctuary to thoroughbreds who aren't really set for that second career, that athletic career, but they give the space where they still have a job, still are cared for, for their entire life. And that's something that's very unique. And we're extremely grateful on the show that that's something that's offered because they're still offering these second chances for these prison inmates as well to work with them. But it was so neat to hear how many of these guys are looking at second jobs and another opportunity, their own second chance coming out of the prison. 
hearing the employers that you mentioned talk about on your show too, that we have a workforce shortage and you guys are making that call. You're saying, hey, we hear you. We have an issue here that we want to offer the second chance. We can partner. And I think that was really beautiful. You offered this as a global event to get as many people as possible to see your story. Now, have you seen or even gotten comments of, you know, more people wanting to be involved with this now that it's been virtual, getting the story out more, seeing more shares. Have you seen anything like that? Well, it, you know, it is. We're, we're actually, as you and I are talking, we're about to hit, you know, the 24-hour mark since the event, um, the live mm-hmm. event took place. And and like the other interesting thing about even planning a virtual event is just the fact you have to start, you get to think about the fact that the event lives on forever, which is mm-hmm. wonderful. So you're not like, oh, well, how many people were there that day? You know, last year we had 140 people at the horse show and we will never have more than 140 people. Last mm-hmm. night we had our peak concurrent viewers was 460, but our unique viewers was 650. And now we've had like 2.2 thousand views of the show since then. So I don't know what all those numbers you know, really mean. They all have different meanings, I'm sure, to folks who follow analytics. But, but, it's, but it is a really interesting thing to think about that like that event will now live on one of our major donors who was a sponsor of the show uh, last night, Mary, Mary West, are very dear and much appreciated supporters of the TRF. And I was in touch with Mary West today. She wasn't able to watch the show live last night. She had another mm-hmm. commitment. So she's, been, she's watching it sometime this afternoon. I've been thinking about her all like waiting to get her, <laughs> waiting to get a note from her when she mm-hmm. has watched it. So, so it's just to your, to your question. Yes, yes, we've, we're really gratified by the engagement we had during the event with, you know, as mm-hmm. the person who's sort of talking into the camera, it was just wonderful to see comments and voices and some, some that I knew saying shout outs and lots of people that I didn't know. You know, there was a sense of engagement and community that was what we had hoped to create, but mm-hmm. we know that the long-term goal and well not even that long term the, the goal of that event is the what happens next it is your yeah. question do you get do you get those the, the, the engagement is the key you know donations are lovely we've actually had you know dollars are coming in people are buying a bale of hay or a bag of grain and mm-hmm. that's lovely but we're much more interested in folks sharing it as you, as you point out like how to, you know mm-hmm. measuring that and getting the reach because because it's what we saw last year is that we ended up if, we, if what we had, it's almost like using a math equation. We had 140 people at the event last year and mm-hmm. you know, X number of employers were there and X number of jobs were offered a result of that. Well, then mm-hmm. if this year we have, let's say, 2000 people like watching it, what's possible? It's, it's just very exciting. And it is it is frankly too, ter- too soon for me to give you anything tangible. Um, mm-hmm. But but the goal is, you know, that's where I'm very excited about where, where will it go next? Because we are national, as you know, and you just, by the way, Joy, mm-hmm. thank you for that totally perfect capturing of who we are and what we do. <laughs> it's so nice <laughs> for me to hear. I, I love, I love doing it, but I really love hearing it. And you clearly have completely embraced our, our mission. And I just applaud you for know, knowing your, knowing your subject so well, but thank you for that. But in our national work, we have, you know, we have seven prison programs across the United States. We actually have a brand new eighth program that sort of was mentioned in the, in the, the, the final part of the show last night, which is fine. We're happy to sort mm-hmm. of talk about it generally, but we haven't actually been able to announce this new program in Florida due to COVID. So we have people, those folks who are out there thinking about the program and thinking, wow, like that really works. You know, my, my equine community needs qualified employees or, you know, people, I, I really do think that is where I want people to be thinking, Oh, reach out to us. And we have prisons across the country from California to New York to Florida. I mean, it's not to say that we necessarily have one where you live specifically, but we, you know, these men and women, cause it's men and women in our program, 
they're they're qualified and if there's a need, I think you know they're going to go where the opportunities are. So, so you know, I'd love to chat with you six months from now, Joy, to say like, how can I measure what what we got yeah. back? Right now, we've gotten a lot of love, which is very much appreciated. <laughs> there is a lot of um, a lot of effort and energy that goes into something like that, and to hear people have appreciated it and enjoyed it, you know, I do think the short-term goal for me was that everyone just feels a little better about the world when you see what it was. Is definitely happening. a positive light on my day during such a. <laughs> crazy 2020 year, but it, it really brought, you know, some happiness in my heart to see that and Good. see the honest, genuine answers from all the inmates who participated and to see that these horses have such an amazing second career when a lot of people yeah. wouldn't even look twice at them. You saw the opportunity for them. And, you know, that's, that's the beauty of it all. Horses changing lives. That's what we're about on the show. I love, so, that. Kim, I love that. So Kim, if people want to find out more about the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation or even how to view the Blackburn 2020 horse show, where can they find that? Sure thing. Well, I would uh, love for folks to come, come visit us on our website. And the website is trfinc.org. Um, and you know, that's like any lots of good information on there, but I will say that there is a lot of information about this horse show, including the easy link to the YouTube recorded of the live event. It's all on the event page. So I would also just encourage folks to go to the events section and then look, look at this event that happened on October 20th, um, because it'll live there forever. And it has, it has the opportunity and it has more than just the video. It has the button to volunteer with us, which is what I'm hoping we're going to see a big spike in. There's also a button to, to, to send us your thoughts. What did you feel about the event? What are ideas that it inspired? Who are people you think we should talk to? You know, there, and there's obviously always going to be the button where you can buy a bale of hay or a bag of grain because we always are grateful for those gifts. But that, that event page is sort of simple as it sounds, is really going to remain the hub for for what you saw last night and what, if you'd like to see it. I would also say that our YouTube, this has been one of our COVID projects, which, you know, like the many things, some people clean their closets. I worked on our YouTube channel. <laughs> we have a lot. We, there's always been a lot of video, video, just like we showed last night. It's such a great way to convey information without just, you know, I like talking and you clearly do because you're a great host. We all are digest information differently when we see it. And so there have been some great videos captured of our programs all across the country for a long time. They're now quite reasonably well organized, I would say, on our YouTube channel. So that might just also be a kind of a fun place to send your audiences just to look up the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation YouTube channel. Things are organized there by the Second Chances Program, their Sanctuary Farms. You know, there's just there's a there's a lot there, and that's just an, another way to uh, learn more about us and see our horses. And that is, of course, what brings us all together. Is they're all just gorgeous and adorable and. Yeah, feel the show, and and they definitely feel the show last night too. The guys did a pretty good job, but you know when. Oh, it's you know, always about the horses at the end of the day. Oh my goodness, <laughs> it is. Awesome. Well, thank <laughs> I, you I, so I, much, Kim, for coming on the show today. We'll make sure to have links to all this, and you know oh, we'll be following up with you soon to see how how this has affected you guys and the growth you're going to get out of it. Well, I'd love to I'd love to keep you posted, and I so appreciate your time and having the chance to chat today. Thanks very very much. Thank you. Cashel Company helps you enjoy the ride with their full line of trail bags and tush cushions. From candle bags to horn bags and everything in between, comfort and convenience on the trail is what Cashel does best. To stay up to date with the latest products and news, follow Cashel Company on Facebook and Instagram. And to find their products, visit an authorized dealer or visit CashelCompany.com. That's CashelCompany.com. 
Joy, it's time to talk about two of my favorite things in the world, which is booze and racehorses and yes. how they tie together. <laughs> so we have Alice Peterson on the line. She is with Pinhook Bourbon. She's the CEO of Pinhook Bourbon. And Alice, thank you so much for joining us. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. Okay. So first of all, I guess with bourbon and racehorses, you must be in the state of Kentucky somewhere. Well, I would love to say that were the case. I am a huge fan of Kentucky. I got married there 15 years ago and think it's one of the best places in the world, but our business is actually based in New York. But if you are going to be making bourbon, you better make sure your operations are in Kentucky. Um, there's a reason why it's it's known for that wonderful export. And so while I'm in, in New York and, and many of our business folks are here, uh, all of our operations are based in Frankfurt um, at the wonderful Castle and Key Distillery there. Okay, gotcha. So you're those New York racers we we hear so much about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we Belmont, you know, as opposed to Keeneland. Exactly, exactly. Gotcha. We'll forgive that. We'll let that slide. As long as the bourbon's made there, I know that because of the like limestone in the ground, it makes for amazing bourbon, especially out of Frankfurt. So, what? Let's start with the pinhook side of pinhook bourbon. Do you guys actually pinhook racehorses? We do not, but our very dear friends and partners at Bourbon Lane Stables do. And when we started kind of dipping our toe into what it meant to create, you know, a wonderful bourbon, it was not lost on us the parallels between racehorsing and American whiskey. And at the time, we we started by buying 20 barrels, and it was a pinhook, right? We were buying young bourbon, um, totally unproven. We knew about its, you know, lineage or what its ingredients were, but we were relying on, you know, our instinct and a little bit of luck to make sure that over time and with some patience, it would grow into something, you know, worthy of being a champion, just like you would with a pinhook horse. Gotcha. So we wanted to pay tribute to that. And that's where the name came from. And that's where all of the branding, you know, sort of derives from and what we're trying to pay tribute to more than anything else. I love it. And for those who maybe don't, you know, are kind of new to the show, pinhooking for in, in the horse world is to buy a young racehorse and raise it and then sell it at the next sale, hopefully for a profit, but also you're, you're kind of in the business there, which is kind of sounds like what you guys are, which is in the business of bourbon and kind of dipping your toe in the racehorse world too, a little bit with your friends. So tell us a little bit about pinhook bourbon. I have, I'm sorry. So let me, let me tell you the truth here. I sat my husband down before the show and I said, Hey, look who we're going to talk to. And his favorite thing on the planet is bourbon. So he actually went through, he's like, Oh yeah, I got to try that one. And that one, and that one, you <laughs> know, I was like okay. making my list. I'm we'll we'll connect after the show to make sure <laughs> that we, we get him everything on his wish list. Oh, look at that. Oh. You're going to make my Christmas here. But, uh, he was like, Oh yeah. Bourbon war sounds amazing. And bourbon country now, but there is a tie between the, names of your bourbons and horses. Talk about that. So what Pinhook does a little bit differently than most the other folks who are in the wonderful world of whiskey is um, the traditional way to approach a brand is that you establish a flavor profile. And year in, year out, 
you are using the art of blending barrels to tie back to that flavor profile and make sure that every time someone picks up a bottle, it tastes exactly the same. Kind of like, you know, Coca-Cola, right? I mean, that, mm-hmm. that you know what you are going to get, you love what you're going to get, and, you know, you're never let down on that. Our um, One of our co-founders, Sean Joseph, actually comes from the world of wine, and wine takes a very different approach. So wine, think, you know, it sort of recognizes that um, they're working with a crop, that that crop is going to vary year by year based on all sorts of different factors in terms of, you know, w- what was going on with the soil and what was going on with the weather, and then sort of takes, takes that harvest and makes the very best wine that it can for a particular vintage. And so we've borrowed that approach um, with the idea that that barrels are a natural product too. Um, there are only three ingredients that go into bourbon or rye, which are you know, grains, yeast, and water. And a lot of the flavor comes through the process of aging, which is all about weather and placement in the warehouse and, you know, what happens inside this natural barrel that's made out of, wow. you know, uh, American oak tree. So, so that's all to say that we are every year releasing new vintages, a set of, of expressions, and that with those, we are looking to release the very best bourbon or the very best dry, which isn't necessarily the very same as what has come the year before. We create a blend that we think expresses the very best attributes of the set of barrels we have at our disposal. And then we set a proof that we think really brings that blend to life. And so what we needed was a way to denote those vintages. And sure, you can say, you know, the 2020, you know, flagship bourbon. That's not but as we fun, decided though, we wanted to go a step further. <laughs> That's right. So instead, we dedicate every crop of barrels, every set of barrels that were filled, you know, around the same time that have the same recipe, which is called a mash bill. And we dedicate those to an up and coming thoroughbred race horse, a real, a real horse um, that is just, you know, may often have been a pinhook and is just starting on his or her career at the track. So, for instance, um, you mentioned Bourbon War. Bourbon War was this incredible, is an incredible horse that was in the field for both the Preakness and the Belmont last year. And before we knew that was going to be the case, had chosen him to represent a set of barrels that are on the vertical, that are, you know, the, the foundation of the vertical series that we you did do that in Bourbon. Bef- you named him Bourbon. You named yes. it before you even knew how successful he was going to be? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's um, lucky. And we don't always get so lucky, right? I mean, there's a, a our first filly ever to be on a bottle of Pinhook is named Bohemian Bourbon. She raced yesterday at Belmont. And, you know, I mean, she's, she's doing great. She came in second. But, you know, you aren't reading about her on the front pages today. And so, mm-hmm. you know, they all take different twists and turns. And we've had some that needed to be retired because they got, you know, they got injured. But, it's really trying to acknowledge that some of what we do is about, you know, placing a bet yeah. and that we're trying to bring out the fact that there is a lot of character to be had in, in American whiskey and that, you know, pinhook is not pinhook is not pinhook. And that what we're committed to is 
creating the very best thing that we can put in the bottle year after year. So when you're buying a brand, you are expecting a level of quality and you're excited and, you know, trying it with curiosity about what that means with, with any given vintage. I got to read from the bourbon war page on your Facebook because I, this is making me hungry, not just thirsty. It says the straight bourbon whiskey has a bright nose of tropical fruit, butterscotch and cedar leading to a rich and vibrant palate of dried fig, cocoa, roasted peanut and clove. That sounds amazing. Who can- I know, right? It should be like, it should that? be a dessert. Yeah. I wish that I were responsible for those notes. I wish that I had a palate sophisticated enough to pick okay. out those notes. Um, <laughs> yeah. And as a result, I sometimes make fun of, of our um, incredible, <laughs> incredible, you know, taster blender co-founder, um, Sean Josephs, who is my partner in crime um, when he, he creates those. But, but I mean, that all just plays to how much complexity there is in, in bourbon. Um, and what I've come to appreciate is, and this is exactly the same thing for wine. We all have the ability to taste, you know, just as well as one another. I think it's almost like language, though, where we may or may not have the vocabulary to describe what we're tasting. So there are some people who, you know, do the study and do the work to develop that vocabulary and who are able to talk about it in that way. And there are other people who are able to taste it and say, I, this is very interesting and I really enjoy it and it makes me want to take another sip and that's equally good. Okay. So you're not going, Hmm, this smells like, has a taste, a bright nose of tangerine preserved lemon and brioche, which leads me to a deep and lush palette of dried papaya, toffee, (laughs) cocoa, and almonds. (laughs) I I like to think that on a good day, if you put all of those individual things in front of me, I'd be able to tell apart the papaya from the coffee, for instance, but I certainly can't pick some out of a bourbon. Now, maybe, maybe by the time I retire, I will have gotten there and Sean is good in trying to, you know, tutor me along the way, but I can drink something and say, good. Oh my, you know, it, to me, it's about wanting more, right? So what, when you, when you, you know, stick your nose in the glass, do you want to take a sip? When you take a sip, do you want to take another sip because you're trying to you know, sort of experience it again. And do you enjoy it, right? That's what counts. This is this is what I love about this. And and I have not always been in the spirits business, is it this is meant to to bring joy. And I, so I whatever that joy. means to you is absolutely perfect. The other thing is we we really I would say we're very much in what people would call we we try not to use this word that much, but craft meaning we we make small batches and there there are a lot of humans involved in crafting within the bottle but we started on this journey long before the bourbon boom and we have been very very dedicated to the idea that this is meant to be accessible actually Sean Sean sort of grew up and cut his teeth on you know, the hospitality business broadly defined as a sommelier and part of what drew him to to bourbon at the time and this was in the mid 2000s was that you know, wine had a very high price point for quality and that bourbon was every man or I'd say every woman's drink. It was very hard to find a bottle that was more than 
certainly more than $100, but probably even more than 75 probably, you know, in most cases, even more than 50 And right. so we've really stayed true to that price point because we don't want this to be this super refined, special occasion, you know, bottle that you keep under lock and key. We want this to be what you reach for to make your favorite cocktail every evening. I love But to be something that you're proud to put in front of, you know, someone who does have the palate to write those kind of notes, <laughs> right? Yeah, so I, really high quality, this. but in a really, a really accessible kind of way. Okay. So it's not $9,000 a bottle. Yeah. I no, no. If you see our everyday bourbon, which has an orange um, wax seal on it and our everyday rye, which has a green wax seal on it, they're meant to be on the shelf and, and on, on the shelf, anywhere, right? Not just at the finest spirit shop, but at Kroger for less than $40. Oh, wow. That's uh, a great So deal. I can have all this beautiful artwork on these bottles, just like showcased in my house. It's going to look expensive. Yeah, but you're supposed but no to keep them to full, Joy, if you display them. So I'm just going to keep them like, well, you that's know. why you get doubles, Jamie. You keep <laughs> yeah, one under the always to say, and you, Yes, <laughs> because there it will not exist, you know, in a year or less, right? There'll be a new vintage. So we definitely are playing into the collectability. And yes, I mean, recently on our Instagram, um, which is the the handles at pinhook underscore bourbon. People have been posting photos that they find in shops where, you know, there's sort of this billboard of pinhook. And, you know, I, <laughs> a lot of pinhook decor in my home. And we, we also wanted to um, kind of break with that tradition of like the short, stout, brown bottles that are meant to look like you pulled them out of your grandfather's closet, right? With this sort of, so old-fashioned writing. We we used Jockey Silks as inspiration um, with the idea that, you know, the reason that, that silks are bright and have those bold patterns on them is because before they're jumbotron, how else were you going to see your horse on the back stretch? Right. So we have tall bottles with bright colors and bold shapes. And, you know, the hope is you walk into to a liquor store or you walk into a bar and you can immediately spot it. I love that. I love it. And one final question. We've run out of time. The Each label is is different with a different horse on it. Is that an actual drawing of the horse it's named for? Absolutely. And we're really, Yay! really Beautiful. true to that. So, for instance, there is a horse. I'll sort of spill this. There's a horse uh, that has just started racing um, called Hard Rye Guy, who will be on our 2021 rye. And we are going to feature him running. I mean, most horses, you know, seen at that size and going at that speed look relatively similar. We're not even attempting to create the art until we get a photo of him racing tomorrow Mm -hmm. at Caneland. Oh, he's Um, running tomorrow. And then we take that art and we give it to this incredible a um, woman named Noli Novak, who is the portraitist for the Wall Street Journal and usually is drawing, you know, Warren Buffett or and uses this incredible pen and ink technique um, that is essentially a series of dots and cross hatches. And so, you know, the the horse you see on the bottle is the actual horse whose stats are given there and represented based on a photograph that we've given, you know, this artist who has built her entire career around really capturing a likeness. So that is something we take very seriously. That is awesome. I I love love it. 
I'm going to order like four bottles right now. Yeah. We just do it. You know, what's really fun. We have launched this, this text to buy channel. So it can be kind of hard to hunt down a, a specific bottle of something. And so if you text the word pinhook to 926-848, we have essentially personal shoppers who ask you what you're trying to find and will get a bottle for you of whatever it is and have that retailer just ship it to your home. Okay. So that was my question was, can we get these shipped all over the country? The website is pinhookbourbon.com. And again, you can text to buy it, but is it in every store? And if it's not, can we go to your website and buy it? So on our website, there are a series of, uh, right on the homepage, you will see a set of, of online retailers who sell and ship very broadly. And if you go to the pages for an individual product and you click the bottom, the, click the button, you're able to, um, to use the text to buy service right from well, the website. You, you can even find radiuses around your city and zip code and what bars and retail shops have it. You guys are, you're covering every end. You're going to take over the world. I'm really excited to. <laughs> one pinhook at a time, one up and coming horse at a time. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much, Alice, for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. Oh my really gosh, I really appreciate like it. Drinking some bourbon now. <laughs> it's that time of year. It is. Well, good luck with your horse in the race tomorrow. We can't wait to hear more about it. Thank you so much. As it is customary to do, we'd like to invite Leandra Cooper from New Vocations Racehorse Adoption to come on the show. And we'd love to pick her brain because she sees how many thoroughbreds are currently at New Vocations in the Kentucky division, Leandra. Well, in Kentucky, we have 30 horses in training. We have around 20 horses who are at our rehab barn. And then we have another 20 or so horses that are in some stage of turnout, whether it be 24-7 or whatnot. So I would say around yeah, 70, 75 horses at any given time. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Okay. So, so fair fair to say that you see a lot of thoroughbreds coming in and out, maybe, or maybe not. Some of them have some behavioral issues. And, um, Mm -hmm. I have, I have found out (laughs) that a lot of the thoroughbreds that I have gotten off the track or I've seen off the track are not a lot of them. Some of them are food crazy. And when I say food crazy, like they get their food, they're pawing, they're mad, they're pinning their ears, you feed them, they finally like start wolfing it down. Or if God forbid they can see another horse, they become aggressive (laughs) to the other side of the stall. And, you know, they're just super angry. Uh, How does new vocations deal with that? How do y'all do that? Well, I would say it's the way that they act with different sort of food situations, whether it's aggression or insecurity, it depends a lot, obviously, on the individual. So I could probably talk to a couple of different situations, the way that we would handle that. So one, of course, is modifying the setting. So if you have a horse who just sees another one eating and they get really upset, all of our feeders are set at the same corner of their stall. And even if we have to use a ground feeder, we try to keep that pretty consistent so that hopefully they're not head-to-head. But you always have situations where one horse finishes before another, or they just are more concerned with what they're 
labor is doing. So in those situations, you can still have those confrontations. But I would say step one is if you can avoid the situation by just modifying how you're feeding, whether it's in a ground feeder or switching which corner you feed, then you're doing pretty well by that. Because if you can if you can get them into the mindset, of course, I've spoken to it before about sort of shifting the pattern, reprogramming the brain, then hopefully you'll have the best long-term results and you won't just have to modify forever and ever in order to make them happy. Because really, you know, part of what you have to get down to is the source of it. Is it because they're worried about when their next meal is going to be? Um, if you know on the track, that's probably not the situation and eat a lot of food. But you just never know. So maybe that's a consideration is what, you know, why could it be this way? Um, you know, how were they, if you can access how they were being fed previously, and maybe you can change some things or, you know, change things to make it different or change things to make it more similar. So I would say sort of avoiding or uh, addressing the how they're fed is one big part of it. So say you can't change that, say you don't have the information and you're just trying to move forward, then uh, that the aggressive behavior, you, you know, is one of the the behaviors that they're demonstrating, whether it's pinning ears back, charging, that is an alpha move. So one thing that's really important with horses in a lot of different situations is reestablishing yourself or establishing yourself as the alpha. And so if you can work with a horse, if they're charging or they're really assertive about their space, if you can create distance with yourself, keep yourself safe, obviously, but teach them to say back away from you before they get grain and you could start with treats, but just establish that pattern. And I try to do it on the ground anyway with horses of um, just teaching them systematically to stop and back up. So even if you have a horse who's kind of stepping on your heels and you walk, I teach them stop back up. So get out of my space because you are always wanting to establish yourself in because there's this herd mentality. You want to be the more alpha. And of course, mm -hmm. doing that with as little confrontational aspects as you can, like you're, you don't want to fight the horse, obviously. It's not going to work that well to your advantage because you're smaller. But behaviors where you are physically moving them out of your space are really effective. So mm -hmm. working on that pattern of you're going to back up and then you're going to get your food. That can be really effective. Just make sure to use repetition because that's how it's really going to make it concrete. You, you really have to sort of stick to a pattern to reinforce that and make sure it's a long withstanding pattern. So that can be really effective. And of course, if you need to like have a rope on you or carry, like I have this little short crop just to use the sound. If you're really worried about the situation, of course, always protect yourself. Make sure you're not putting yourself in a bad situation. You can work on things like backing up in a round pen or an open space at first. Don't throw yourself in the stall and put yourself at jeopardy. A lot of times I'll use a kind of growling sound as well. Maybe that's just for me mentally, but it's sort of like a, you know, just a vocal cue of like, again, you're sort of establishing yourself. I'm the alpha. You have to back away from my space because that's what it's going to come down to. If they feel that they need to get that big, get that alpha to get to their food, and you need to make sure that you're at that level in the herd of saying like, I know you want this food, but you also have to respect me. And that has to be first and foremost. Mm -hmm. um, so that is, I would say, one really good tip to start with. Um, there are a lot of different things that you could do just depending on the different situations. 
I'm happy, of course, to be a resource to anybody who has different scenarios they want to bounce off. But I found a lot of times if you can get them to just back out of the space, respect it, and then offer that, if you can repeat that, then um, that can be beneficial. As far as just that human-horse interaction piece, if it's horse-to-horse, you're dealing with a lot of different complicated variables. So I'll just leave that there as just one tip and say I'm happy to discuss with anybody who's having other issues. Gotcha. You know, I was telling uh, Joy before the show when we were trying to figure this out, I got to build my own barn, which was really nice because uh, in Arizona, when I lived there, you use mare motels. So it's just kind of pipe corrals because you can't have Mm -hmm. a a barn unless you have air conditioning, you know, because it gets too hot. And so feeding time was always just a nightmare because they would just fight with each other from the, from right. one corral to the next. And so with this barn, I built, uh, we got a Morton barn done this time and, and it's like the bars down the walls in between so they can see each other, but at their mm-hmm. feet tub, instead of having the bars where they could see each other, I put two feet of solid wall, solid plank. Yeah. <laughs> so when they go to their little bucket, everybody disappears. It's like, uh, oh my God, it has made such a huge difference in just the management because uh, again, I don't know what it is with like food insecurity, you know, horses that have been, you know, hungry before are more likely to have some, some food related issues. So, Mm -hmm. you know, absolutely. Well, and it's, it's important if you can uh, in situations like that, where you like, it's not, you can't go around each one of them and be like, you get in your corner, you get in your corner, mean more to you if you can. But I, you know, always making sure that there's hay available, feeding hay before grain. So they're not all kind of like crazed and waiting the anticipation of killing them. So throwing hay before grain, and then you can kind of trick them sometimes if you make kind of like a basket out of the hay and you can dump some grain into the hay. So you can establish like your hay is always going to be here. And of course, like if you have mess, there are lots of different complicated variables and reasons why we can say this couldn't work. But if you have the right sort of setup to do that, you know, throw hay first so that you know that they have a little stomach buffer. They're not starving. They have something. And you can sometimes just dump some grain into the little hay basket and sort of trick them that way. Hopefully until you can establish a different routine or something. But, you know, both good, plausible tips that you can use in a lot of different situations. But again, so many different variables to this, but I'm happy to be a resource if anybody needs to bounce ideas off of. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. And from the back of the pack on the outside, commanding Herb is taking second, but California Chrome shines right in the Kentucky Derby. And now it's time for the new vocations, Winter Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. Well, now it's time to talk about our Winter Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. One more whim, or whim as you guys are calling him, is a 2018 gelding, 16 hands, dark bay. The adoption fee is a whopping $500. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tell us a little <laughs> bit about whim. Well, this is a horse, too, is really special to me because I actually adopted out his dad, Sir Whimsy, a couple years ago when his dad had obviously done with his breeding career and was a gelding at that point and found a home through new vocations as well. But one more whim is, I mean, a great name in relation to how I know him because he's truly from the last crop of Sir Whimsy babies. 
And I adored his father. I mean, if you're going to talk about a thoroughbred who looks like he might have some warm blood look to him, like that was the horse. Elegant. He was a true gentleman through and through and just a wonderful sporty prospect. And I see all of those same qualities in Wim. One more Wim. And he didn't race. His connections just felt he wasn't going to be a great racehorse prospect. And one more whim does have a sway back. He is not perfectly confirmation. Confirmation's not ideal, perfect textbook, but I will tell you, you really can't see those sway back under saddle. And if you watch the video, I think it would definitely surprise you, especially if people do judge the book by its cover because he's a lovely mover and he has the sweetest personality. I think this is a really quality horse who's going to make a wonderful companion trail, low level horse for, I mean, would be so wonderful for so many different people, maybe not a high level competitor, but heck, how many people are going to the Olympics? This is a really, really awesome. He's just a two year old. So he's still, you know, very much green prospect level, but just a wonderful, sweet baby horse who is going to make somebody a, a really, really lovely addition to their family. So one more whim. Yes. I looked at pictures and I was like, wow, he has this way back. And the first thing I thought of, let me, let me skip ahead because he's only two and you guys are right. tacked up. Like he's super chill riding around in the arena. But what I really mm-hmm. thought of when I looked at his, he's kind of a broader sway back yeah. kind of dude. All I could think of was like, oh my God, this horse would be so comfortable bareback. I mean, it's like a yeah, natural your saddle seat. doesn't move if, yeah. even if you aren't bareback. <laughs> One of yeah. my best horses is swayed back. And I mean, I've had her since I was five. And I mean, I can put anyone on her. She's so comfortable. She's just this lazy yeah. boy sofa. So I'm like, it's a little scary to look at if you've never had one. But honestly, I'm right. looking at him like he's cute. He's got the personality. If he can be a great husband horse someday. I mean, that's yes. that's a diamond right there yeah you could go really far with him Mm -hmm. well he's adorable you can find him at horseadoption.com his name is one more whim as always leander thank you for your amazing perspective i mean who gets to talk to somebody that has 70 off the track thoroughbreds in their you know in their day that's amazing so small barn yeah yeah tiny (laughs) tiny small little thing (laughs) well thanks leandra and where can people find you if they want to reach out and talk to you about food issues my email address leandra l-e-a-n-d-r-a at horseadoption.com you can also find my contact information on our website newvocations.org or horseadoption.com either one you it's easy to find me you could probably google my number at this point but (laughs) please feel free to reach out if you have questions about anything all right thanks leandra have a great one thanks leandra thanks for having me you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com. Like us on Facebook, search for Retired Racehorse Radio, or we're also on Twitter, or at least my boss is, at Horse Radio. <laughs>
Check out Jamie's Facebook page, Flyover Farm, Jamie Jennings, Certified Monty Roberts Instructor, or shoot her an email at jamie at horseradionetwork.com. You can shoot me an email at joy at horseradionetwork.com or find me on Instagram at joyhequestion. If there's anyone you want to hear on the show, make sure you send them my way. Thanks so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products and Casual Products. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And spay, neuter, and geld. Bye, guys.